And we're back. Hey, Andy, how you doing? Very good, David. How are you? Awesome, awesome. Welcome to Happy Thursday, huh? Yeah, that's it. It's the new Wednesday. Well, Friday, maybe. It's the new Wednesday. Well, the good news is we just passed the short, shortest day of the year here in Melbourne, and it's, uh, it only gets brighter from today, from yesterday. So we're on the on the homeward trail to summer. Yeah. Look, uh, thanks again for joining me today. Um, I, we're just picking up on a conversation we started last week um, when um, you know one, one of our listeners posted the question around setting price, and he did it right in the last two minutes of the call, which uh, didn't really give us much time to expand. So we we carried this over and we talked about this idea of pricing. And I suppose when when you think about professional services, you know, and setting price, it's a really interesting question, isn't it? Yeah, it's to me. It, it's uh, I think it comes down to a couple of things. The first is confidence in your own product or service. I think if you don't have that confidence that you're not going to charge appropriately, and it's about charging what what's reasonable for your time. And I think the second thing is um, you also part of that confidence comes from having buy-in from your your customers and if you're getting regular buy-in and they're valuing what you do then you they're, they're fine they have no issue chat you know paying yeah. a good amount so that's what i've sort of learned i mean how do you view pricing david yeah very very interesting question i, I think fundamentally when you think about what pricing is it's about a, a trade you know, and I think sometimes we forget and we're very emotional when it comes to money, when it comes to deciding how to set pricing and how much people will and won't pay. And, you know, if we want to elicit emotion from people, you know, you can talk about religion, you can talk about politics, and you can talk about money. And they're the three hot buttons. And I mentioned sex as well, but um, we might not on this uh, particular uh, live stream. <laughs> but um, my point is, um, I think when it comes to price, it's very subjective. And the me mechanics behind it are pretty simple. It's a trade. Um, so in the old days, before we had money, we used to go around and if I used to have a pig farm and used to grow corn, I would walk over with a pig and trade you for some corn. Uh, but it became a pretty inconvenient thing. So we started creating tokens. So now what happens is when I go to sell my service and people say, well, how much do you charge? What they're really looking for is not the price. They're looking for the value proposition. So I might say I charge 10 bucks or I might say I charge $1,000. Now, some people go, $1,000 for what? Right? That's a good question, right? $10 mm. for what is a good question. So knowing the price without knowing the deliverable doesn't mean I can assess the value. So we talk about price setting and uh, I'm just going to make sure I've got my little chat box. Anyone who's joining us, uh, feel free to say good day in the chat box and I'll see if I can make it work. We had some great things going last week. Um, and so for me, the price thing is a million dollar question, um, but it's worth a lot of money. Because when we talk about growing profitability of a business, probably the very first place I would look is the pricing structure. Um, because I feel people often um, do things like their fear price increases. They go, oh, I can't increase my price, my customers would leave. Hmm. Or they say, I can't charge more because you know it's hard enough to get a client, let alone worry about whether they're going to say yes or no because of price. So when people ask me, how do you set price? I say, well, you've got, you've got a few options. You can go to the market and you can look at what other people are charging and you can then compete. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, sort of reasonable in a commoditized market, not reasonable in a market where your product is unique. Mm -hmm. So if you think about services, because we, you know, we focused on the professional services industry, 
Um, the trading, the, the commoditization is hourly rate and day rate. Okay, how much do you charge per hour? How much do you charge for a day? Now, what that doesn't take into account is the quality of the work that you do in that period of time. So I can give you really cheap hourly rate by putting a junior uh, consultant on. Okay, or I can give you a premium consultant who's the best in the industry and charge ten to twenty times more per hour because of the value. So. Well, I suppose my thought process is take out the time, the, take the time out of the equation and start assessing what the value proposition is and your pricing model will be vastly different. So simple, simple thing, um, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but uh, when, when I used to be in the early days of coaching, one of our first strategies was to say, increase your price by 10%. And people would go, oh my God, I'll lose people. I'd go, just do it with new quotes. Don't do it with your existing clients. Just put your price up by 10% on new quotes and let's see what happens. 90% of the time, people would come back one week later and say, you know, no one flinched. And I say, how do you feel about that? And they go, I feel like kicking myself in the backside because I've been undercharging for so long. And it had zero to do with changing anything except for the number on the quote. <laughs> so what are your thoughts around price and how, how it's set? Yeah, I've been on a bit of a journey where I undercharged for a long time, David. Um, yes. And I think that uh, maybe that was down to the confidence of the the value of the product or the impact it had. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember last year in particular, I had a bit of a, I went through a bit of a journey where I uh, was just trying to work out how do I set prices. And uh, we went and did different projects and they were like custom projects. So the price was really up in the air and that was good learning. And yep. some of the, I guess some of the bigger companies that we worked with, as you say, they didn't flinch. They were just like, yep, we can do it. So it kind of made me then Think about how I uh, how we move forward in terms of our pricing, and now it's it's a very you know it's a very simple model based around that value that you were talking about. Yep. And I know that by pricing it appropriately, you know the the value, the expectation, of the value is obviously greater. But then I've I've got now the belief in the and the the and the value that I'm going to be able to give to someone. Um, I think because I've actually gone and I've been doing these strategies yeah. and things myself. Yeah. So, you know, I'm someone who likes to see it's, you know, see the, the result of it. And then that gives me more confidence. It's like, I don't know, teaching someone how to, you know, kick a soccer ball, yeah. um, learn how to do it. Then yeah, sure. I can teach someone else how to do it. So I think to me, the, 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 the penny dropping was really around if I know that, um, that the sort of the companies that I want to work with, if they're appropriately sized or they have the resources or they have the means, yeah. um, I'm going to back myself and I'm going to create a product that is as highly valuable and will get, you know, and will get cut through and therefore they don't flinch because yes. I've, I've, I've done the right thing and I've set the groundwork and I've positioned myself as, as someone who really knows what they're talking about and can get yeah. results. So yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. It's, it's taken me four years to get here, but I think now I'm, you know, it's, it's a different, it's a different feeling when you think about money and pricing. Yeah, I was, I was talking to a, a coach about this a few weeks back, and and the comment came up out came up outcomes over hours, right? So yeah. when we say how much should we charge, and we think, well, you can base it on hours and you can base it on standards, but the missing link in that equation is the quality of the work. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about outcomes, we're talking about deliverables. We're talking about well, what am I going to get as a result of paying you? So you might say, you know, I, I charge 150 bucks an hour for my, my flat rate for copywriting. That's okay. That's just a, an hourly rate. But mm -hmm. 
but it doesn't tell me the quality of the work, okay? Mm -hmm. And sometimes people think it's more secure paying hourly rate because you only pay for what you use. But if I turned around and said, look, we charge $3,000 to write an ad for you, you'd go, oh, how many hours is that? You know, it doesn't matter on the hours, what matters is the result. So $3,000, we guarantee it's gonna produce X amount of leads. Yep. Right, so I'm paying $3,000 instead of $150 but you're telling me it's going to produce an output, mm -hmm. an outcome, right? A number of leads. And so all of a sudden, it's not about how many hours you took, it's about what am I going to get in return as in physically get, not, yes. not uh, ideally. So I think, I think the pricing question, and I can't remember the exact wording that Jamal used when he asked the question last week, but the, it was around how much can I get away with charging or how much should I charge or what do I do in a competitive environment? My, my suggestion is simple. If you're in a competitive environment, you've got to get out of the competitive environment. And I don't mean run, I mean change the terrain, change the game, okay? So when someone says, I've got three quotes in front of me for the same thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the truth. I, I can sell you two things that are identical, but I can charge two different prices. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the way it works is simple. When I, when I have, say, I don't know, I might have two pens. Do it this way. I have these two pens, right? Actually, I'll do it this way. <laughs> I have these two pens, right? Two pens. Yeah. Right? They're exactly the same, right? And one of them is $1 and one of them is $3, right? And the question is, well, why would I pay $3 for a pen when the other one's $1? So, well, with the $3 pen, we give you a lifetime guarantee, which means if it ever runs out, we'll replace it. With the $1 pen, it's $1. Now, mm -hmm. in the end, there's a value proposition attached to the product, okay? Yeah. Now, if I know how long one of these pens lasts, I'll be more realistic. I'll say, I'll give you a 12-month guarantee because I know it's going to last more than 12 months with this one, but not with that one. So I suppose mm. that's a simple sort of idea. But where I'm going is the value of a product is not the product. Mm. The value of the product is the package around the product. Mm. And so when people say, how do I charge more in a competitive market? I say, repackage your product so it's more valuable than what your competitors are offering. And it's, it's interesting because especially in the consulting world, we always get strapped back to hourly rate. Mm -hmm. We always get strapped back to, well, coaching programs. Well, how many hours of your time do I get? Mm -hmm. Okay. And as soon as I hear that, I, I know that my positioning is incorrect. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's really where the problem is. Um, yeah. So I think that there's an interesting point there, right? We have a guest joining us on this, uh, on this uh, call. So... I'm going to see if I can let him in because I don't actually know who it is, but I'm guessing. Let's have a look. Uh, I'm going to make you guest number one. You are. And I'm going to make this guy guest number two. I'm guessing this is... Um, actually, we'll wait to see if the video comes in. It's just in the green room. But going back to this conversation, and we are a bit sort of uh, fly, shooting from the hip today. Um, the question is, how do I set my price? And we've already talked about, you know, going to outcomes rather than hours. I think there's a second piece to this puzzle, and it's actually what does the client get when they buy your yeah. product or service? And the more you can guarantee it, like if you said to me, David, don't pay me to write copy. Pay me to generate leads. Mm -hmm. And oh, here he is. Shamal's back. Yes. I'm going to get this question up on the screen for you, Andrew, because it's quite a long one. Main question was, how can we charge more for a referral contact when uh, they know what we charge the client who referred them? Cool. That's, thanks, thanks, Jamal, for the reminder. So this, this is something that happens with us too. Now, when you get a referral, 
one of the downsides of a referral is that you assume because the person that referred them to you is introducing you to this person that uh, the pricing will be the same. Now, mm -hmm. here's, here's what I've found. Very few people will talk about the price that you charge amongst themselves because it's usually private and it's confidential and it's bespoke. So, I mean, some people will pay a price because they get a level of service from Andrew and other people will pay a bit more because they go for a different level. We've had situations where we've had people in programs that they're paying vastly different prices. Some of them are paying 50% more than others for the same program. Now, we have to reconcile in our heads what happens if they talk. Mm -hmm. Well, usually it's just that you need an answer. And the answer that I'm looking for is we actually have this loyalty arrangement with our clients. If you've been a client of ours over a period of time, your price doesn't go up. We, 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 we grandfather pricing, which means as long as you continue working with us, your price remains the same. Okay, we don't put CPI in there and we don't do any of the price increases as we increase the value of our product. But what it means is that an existing client will get access to all the new things for no charge. New clients can't get access to the old way that we deliver. So therefore, when the price is variable, the price is different, um, we end up in a scenario where people are paying twice as much for what they think is the same program because it's delivered the same way, but the legacy client is paying less because of their loyalty. Mm. So I don't know if this helps, Shamal, but um, I suppose the, the real question is how do you become comfortable with having two differential, a pricing differential between two people that you serve? And, mm. and the short answer is you can, be, you can go one way, which is increase everyone's price as you increase the value. And so, like this year is going to be an interesting year for people in business because CPI is 5% uh, in Australia. Okay, A 5% increase in CPI means that if you do not increase your pricing by 5% this year, your costs go up by 5%, which means your margins get eroded. So if you don't do that, that's rewarding clients for loyalty or being fearful of offering a price increase even though your costs increased. My, my, my sort of summary answer to Shamal is this. Okay, your new client needs to be aware that they're paying more than the existing client. Because as you grow as a business, your product or service becomes more valuable. Your existing client needs to be aware also that you reward loyalty. So that they're quite comfortable that there will be a price difference as the business progresses. Because the company, like in our business, what we are this year compared to what we were last year, we've innovated quite a few things. So rather than saying to everyone we had as clients, hey, we're going to charge more because of all these innovations, we say, hey, you get it for free because of loyalty. And that creates retention. And with the new guys, we say, hey, this is the value proposition. So they're not looking at what is everyone else paying. They're saying, is it value for money for me? Because if it is value for money, but it's still more expensive than everyone else is paying, I'm not going to go elsewhere because it's still value for money. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think Shamal as well with that, that referral piece, uh, maybe you could ask yourself too, is it the same kind of client or is it a, like, do you deliver the same product to the same type of client or is there maybe a slightly different solution for a different size or, or other type of client? Because in that case, it might, it might be a different, it might be a different solution, you know, altogether and therefore the, the model will change. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. I think the, you know, the referral piece, people come to us warm anyway, if they're referred. Mm -hmm. So they're generally going to be interested in what we have to do. And I think your point earlier, David, around they're not really looking at the price, they're looking at 
you've already you know you've already had two thirds of the work done. You've already been pre-sold by someone else. Yeah. So I think you just got to be confident about the fact that you know you you provide a really valuable service, and you know clients will need to pay for that. And it's not really the question about whether the other one will find out. For me, it's about well, this is what I'm giving you right now because it's tailored towards you and what you need. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a really like important distinction. It's a mindset shift. Yeah. Because I, I think like if, if I look at this, I had this fear once when I was in business because we were improving our program and we were charging more and I was saying, oh my goodness, there's a lot of people in this program that are paying less. And so the new guys are paying more. Am I ripping them off by charging more? And then I, I went through this process. I said, well, what's the value? And yes. the value exceeded the cost. And no one's locked into a contract, so I'm not ripping them off. I'm, I'm saying this is what you get and this is how much it costs. And when mm -hmm. they say, well, what's everyone else paying? I go, well, that's not directly relevant. What's relevant is, is it good value for you? Mm. What everyone else is paying is got to do with when they joined us and what the deal was on the day. So when my confidence is low, I charge less. And as mm -hmm. I build confidence, as you've started to do, you say, well, do, mm -hmm. I, do I go and charge more across the board or do I just charge more for new clients? So when we did this 10% price increase uh, with clients, they go, I can't do that, I'll lose clients. I say, I only charge new people. And if they mm. still say yes, then you know that price is still good value. But now mm. you're creating this discrepancy in your client base where some people are paying more than others for the same service. Mm. Now, if you can justify it in your own head, there's no problem with that, right? Because they're buying it based on a, on, on a deal. And at the point of the transaction, it was a good deal. Okay. And that's, that's really all that matters because if someone pays, and I'll use arbitrary numbers, someone, someone pays $1,000 a month to join our program. Two years later, we charge $2,000 a month for the same program. Why? We have more confidence in ourselves. We're delivering more value. We've got some track record. And at $2,000, it's still great value. So yeah. someone joins us at $2,000. They come to a session. They talk to one of the other guys and they go, oh, no, we don't pay $2,000. We're only paying one. And they, they ring me up and they say, David, what's going on? How come I'm paying two and they're paying one? Well, my short answer is, first of all, before you knew that, were you getting value? And if the answer is yes, yes then you know that uh, it's not about the value, it's about the discrepancy. And then you need a reason why there's a difference. And you might say, well, those guys have been around for three years. <laughs> and if you joined three years ago, I could give you that price, but now, this is the price and you've still made the decision that it's great value and then we move on <laughs> because it ends up like when we talk about price increases the people i feel that have the biggest objection with price increase is not the customer it's actually the supplier <laughs> and it's the fear of the consequence of changing my price <laughs> now the the real concern the real question that i think people need to ask is am i confident that whatever price i'm charging is good value for money because if it is, then this whole idea of having price differential becomes less important. I think what you're saying around the value, maybe just going back to that as well, David, and, and everyone who's uh, watching on the call, to me, that's like the, the first step because if someone if someone's questioning the value, then you haven't done a good enough job about articulating what that means for them and, as you say, what the outcomes will be. And just, you know, going to the example that, that I sort of had, you know, we... Previously, we had a couple of products, you know, we did email newsletters and we did website copywriting as an example. We did that for a long time yep. and uh, and I put a nominal amount on there. It was it was pretty low, I think, you know, based on what they were getting. Yep. But 
um, as we sort of moved moved along, I realised that well, if I become if I can get crystal clear on the objections that a lot that these ideal clients have, yeah. and really what they're looking for, and what what are they what are they, what's the most pressing things that they're looking to achieve in the next six to twelve weeks, and if yeah. I can really focus on those things and get my language right when I'm speaking to them, then that's going to be a significant advantage in price won't even enter the, the equation yes. and that's what i that's what i've realized um especially this year is because i've become super, so super honed on what the value is for that particular person mm -hmm. then um it's a different question it's not about this is what it will cost it will bet it's, it's as you said before david it's about this is what i'm going to get for you at the completion of it so yeah, um, yeah. now yeah. um I'm going to try this experiment. Uh, I don't know if this is going to work, Andrew, but let's see if we can get this. No, you lost hey, we can one. see. We can see the uh, the whiteboard. Very good. Yeah, we can't see you. <laughs> it's okay. Let's. Well, this is. We'll look at you and the whiteboard. That's important. So really, let me see if I can get you up there. I'm going to try one thing. No, maybe I'm not. I'm going to say we're in here, and we're going to add. No, we can't. You're not there. Interesting. Thought I could get you up there. Never mind. <laughs> um, so when we when we look at products, um, the first thing that I want to talk about is this whole idea of a commodity. Commodity product. Okay. Now, when we talk about a commoditized product, what we mean is something that has no distinctive, no distinction between uh, one supplier and the other. Uh, an example might be if you were buying sugar. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, sugar. Here we go. Come on, Andrew, you were there before. Yep, still here. Yep. And so commodity is a product that has no distinction, so one equals the other. Um, if we want to distinguish our sugar, what we do is we brand it. So we move it from being a commodity to being a product. So now we label it Bundaberg sugar or CSR sugar. It's still white sugar. It's in the packet. If we pour it out into two trays, it's very difficult to tell the difference, if not impossible. But now, because of the brand, we can attract a slightly different price. Okay. <laughs> Same happens with petrol. Right? We can buy petrol from Shell. We can buy petrol from Caltex. One of them says theirs is better than the other, but the truth of the matter is we can't really tell. Maybe some <laughs> people can, but the majority of people can't. And so we want to increase this distinction or this differential. So when we move beyond product, the next thing we need to think about is how do we turn our product or how do we add value by adding a service? Now, the service is where the distinction starts to become real. Okay, Because I can put a label on the front of the product, but the product is the product. When I said to you these two pens are of two different prices and I said one comes with a guarantee now I'm adding service into the equation so the product mm -hmm. might be the same but the support or the uh, the com the the whole idea of having them together is now adding value so mm -hmm. we sort of move through this world of escalating the value of our product now if we combine product and service together we create what's called an offering and the newest thing that people are really making a decision on is a thing called the experience, the shopping experience. Um, Apple did a really good job of revolutionizing the, um, the retail experience for people who buy phones. You know, they created their shop and you go in there and there's more people working there than there are um, customers. 
uh, which means the service is awesome, right? You walk in and you say, I have a problem with my phone. And they say, have you got a booking? No. And they go, we need to make a booking. That will be a three-minute wait. Now, that is sort of, that, that, that's what I call exceptional customer service. The experience that I've had, and I might be biased, but the experience I have with my Apple products and the service they provide is amazing. And I used to be in IT, so I've got the contrast. So this experience is where we start to start to see some real differences. Now, we can add to this by adding a thing called risk reversal. And that's what I talked about with guarantee. So risk reversal is where you take any of the purchase risk away. And so you can increase the value again. And the last thing I want to add to this one is if you really want to have your price stand out in the marketplace, you need to create what's called. Mm. Transformation. Mm -hmm. And transformation literally means that your product changes things for people, changes things for people, changes their world. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, when we talk about transformation, it's quite difficult to do, but it usually shows up in testimonial, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have clients that you do an amazing job for, uh, what you will find is that they will come back and say, Andrew, your copywriting changed my whole marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. Now, that is worth its weight in gold. <laughs> okay, mm -hmm. that's transformation. So I suppose what I'm trying to explain here is that pricing is not about hourly rate. Pricing is not about competitors. Pricing is about product differentiation and pricing is about making sure that you understand how do I make my product different when everyone who's buying it is trying to make it the same. Okay. Um, we did a lot of work in tenders, right? And when it, when it comes to writing tenders, the purpose of writing a tender in my mind is it's a butt covering exercise. And what I mean by that is that uh, I, I would put a tender out to market so I can get three proposals that cover exactly the same spec so I can compare apples with apples. Okay, And then what happens is when I make the decision, it's going to be based on the best tender response, which means there's a structure. Now, the downside of a tender is if I don't know what I'm looking for, then I can't compare apples with apples. So mm. we need to be mindful that in a tender world, right, you've got to try and change the, change the terrain, change the game, right? And if you do that, then you can become competitive by being higher priced, not just competitively priced. And so thinking about how do I change risk reversal, how do I create transformation, or how do I change the experience are all things that change the price. Okay, And so I think when people have price challenges, um, part of it is thinking about how do I add value in, like without physically giving more. So not working longer hours, but adding more value. And it's a much better approach to business, to adding like the question of how, how do I increase my price? The answer is, well, how do you... Uh, make sure the client gets more value. Mm. I love that. I love the, uh, the the first line there, David. That's that's worth um, that's worth revisiting or at least sharing. I think uh, again because uh, we all we, we both know the book uh, Alex Hormozzi's uh, one hundred million dollar offer, mm -hmm. and he talks exactly about the things looking at offers and looking at your services in a completely different way and. Yep. I think that's a really good place to start if you're interested in doing it and then have a look and see the formula about yeah. about that. But yeah, I really enjoyed that. Thank you, David. Yeah, look, I think what we'll do, Andrew, is uh, we might continue this conversation, but we might move into the how to add value yeah. uh, conversation. And um, I'm not sure how we're going to go. I think next week we've got something else that we're going to be covering. I think we're talking about outsourcing next week. But what I might do is make sure that we put this on the agenda as a as a topic on how to add value. And hopefully we were adding value to the people who are watching these. 
Um, and and the, real, the real deal here is to sort of think creatively about how can I increase the value of something without having to work any harder or without having to reduce the price. And if we think about that, um, I think we're going to find that people are going to become much more entrepreneurial in their price setting. They're going to realize it's not just about getting as much as I can. It's about adding as much value as I can and getting paid accordingly. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Terrific. All right, Andrew. Look, um, we're right on the half hour again. I know we're keeping these short and sharp, but we don't want to lose people's interest and they probably need to eat some lunch as well. So <laughs> enjoy the rest of your day. And guys, I hope we got, got you some valuable insights today and we'll uh, look forward to catching up with you again next week. Thanks, David. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Cheers, Andrew.